You're listening to the King's Oahu podcast. We hope today you're inspired, your faith is built up, and that you're encouraged by today's word. You know, normally, normally during Easter, they do Easter productions. We said, man, how fun would it be as every week was like a mini Easter production. So they're going to be back next week and it's going to be awesome. But hey, can I encourage all of you, you know, as we're starting this series, this, uh, this Sunday begins our new journey on this series, True or False, and really talking about a lot of the uh, facts and fiction surrounding Jesus' death and resurrection. And you know, there's so much around Jesus' death and resurrection and around his life, but there's so much fact and truth about it that I believe that there's a confidence that comes on us when we realize what Christ did and who he really was. There's a confidence in our faith. There's a confidence in our hope. And so I want you to invite some of the ushers have these little cards. And if you know somebody, maybe they, maybe they question the validity of Christ and his death and resurrection. You're like, ah, I don't know about that. Why don't you invite them? We're going to have these wonderful, fun productions, and it's going to be good. And next week, <clears throat> I'll just tell you what I'm preaching on next week. Next week, we're going to preach on the power of the cross. And I truly believe there's going to be people that are going to be healed next week. You say, well, Pastor, how, how, do you, how, how can you be certain? Well, man, when you preach and you talk about the power of the cross and what Jesus did, can I tell you something so awesome and something so supernatural happens? And so we're going to talk about that next week. But, hey, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 2. Isaiah 53, verse 2. <clears throat> he grew up before him like a tender shoot. And like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him. And afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Let's pray. Father, I pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, it changes us. And Holy Spirit, we're so humbled that we get to be here this morning together. Lord, that you're speaking to us through your word, that people are being healed and people are experiencing your presence even now. And Lord, we just trust in you. 
that you who began a good work in us, you're faithful to complete it. So Lord, let your word do a work in us and change us and strengthen us in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. The title of my message, if you're taking notes this morning, is destined to die, destined to die. What's interesting about this passage in Isaiah chapter 53 is this actually took, uh, took place 700 years before the birth of Christ. Isaiah wrote this prophetic word 700 years before Christ came. And really, it was a foreshadowing or foretelling of who the Messiah would be and what the Messiah would come to do. And so we see such a profound prophetic word that was released. And this morning, I, I, the first thing I want to deal with is did you know that there's over 600 prophetic words concerning the Messiah in the Old Testament? There's 350, over 350 direct words that were like so close to who Jesus would be that it was actually scary. But over 600 prophetic words concerning who the Messiah would be, where he would be born, how he would live, where he would live, what he would do, how he'd die, and how he would be risen from the dead. Isn't that amazing? Over 600 prophetic words in the Old Testament. And this is what's profound. Jesus fulfilled every single one of them. There's actually proof. You can look at the parallels from the entire Old Testament into the New Testament, verse by verse. You can see all 600 prophetic words fulfilled by Christ. That is, can I tell you, listen, some people say, well, pastor, this, you know, that was just coincidental. There's no possible way that that can be coincidence. That's like me filling the floor with like all pennies in this place and getting 10 pennies, turning them on its face, marking them red, and everybody gets one penny to pick up and we find the penny. One person comes in here, a room full of pennies, 10 pennies are red, and you pick up the one and flip it over and you're like, oh, that's it. That's, it it's not coincidental. It can't be. It was too difficult for one person intentionally to fulfill all 600 prophetic words, but Christ did it. Isn't that amazing? I, I want to just show you some really cool things. Look at this. Let's, let's take a look at just a couple because it starts in Genesis chapter 3 from the very beginning. Many of you heard me last week allude to the moment where the serpent tempted Eve and Eve disobeyed God and ate of the fruit. And then a curse came upon Eve. A curse came upon the Satan. God cursed the Satan, which was Lucifer. And then all of a sudden, God cursed Adam and Eve. And there's this moment, though, where God makes this declaration in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And you got to understand, this was the plan from the very beginning. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Wow. It was speaking of someone that would come. Adam and Eve, I'm going to bring somebody from your offspring that will come and destroy the work of Satan. The devil thinks he has you. He thinks he's won. But I'm going to give you somebody that's going to come and crush the head of that serpent that's going to overcome and be victorious. Jesus was the plan from the very beginning. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, this is awesome. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. What was so profound about this passage, we see that the angel appeared to Mary, even appeared to Joseph, and it's the very same thing. 
the angel told Mary, Mary, you're going to give birth to a son. But how am I going to do that? I've never been with a man. He said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And what you will conceive will be of the Spirit. And his name will be Emmanuel. Wow, this is amazing. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Micah 5, 2. But you, Bethlehem, this even talks about where Jesus would be born. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. This is, this is hundreds of years before. The prophet didn't know that Joseph and Mary would have to go back to Bethlehem to pay their taxes right at the time that Jesus would be born. I mean, that wasn't the plan. Anybody with me? But see, he fulfilled it. It's amazing. Now, I want to give you this. This one's incredible to me. Psalm Verse 22, Psalm 22. And we see this profound parallel in the book of Psalm, who was written by King David, the book of Psalm, which parallels what happened to Christ on the cross. Psalm 22, verse 7. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. In Psalm 22, 16 through 18, dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. This was written by David. Hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. And now we see this wonderful parallel in Matthew chapter 27. It says, Jesus cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is the same passage there in Psalm 22. In Matthew 27, 39, they mocked and hurled insults, shaking their heads at Jesus. In Matthew 27, 41, they shouted, he trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord save him. And then in Mark 15, 24, they divided his clothes and cast lots for them. It, it's, see, this is what's so profound to me, is it didn't just have, have to do with Jesus. A lot of the prophetic words didn't have to do with just Jesus and his decisions. God aligned different things. Even people, listen, these people that were casting lots for Jesus' garments and clothes, the reason they were doing it because it was seamless. And so they wanted, they wanted his clothes because it was valuable. They weren't going, hey, guys, there's this prophetic word in Psalm that we want to live up to and make sure that we fulfill. You know, so let's cast lots for Jesus' clothes. They were a part of the plan. Can I tell you something? God can use any character, any situation. you got to get this in your spirit. God is able, when the Bible says that God is able to turn all things for the good of those who love him or are the called according to his purposes, God can use any character, any situation, any scenario in your life to bring forth destiny and purpose. we got to make sure we don't limit God. Now, I'll be honest with you. There are many times in my life I limit God. Because I look at the situations around me. There's no way we're going to get breakthrough. There's no way. God, how can you use this person to be a blessing to me? How can you use this person to help me fulfill destiny? But just even in the same scenario of Christ in his life, that narrative, 
God was able to work all things to bring alignment to that which was declared over Christ. Can I just tell you something? What God declares in his word will happen in your life. Don't give the devil room to discourage you and bring fear and frustrate you because God is able to do amazing and profound things that that which God has spoken in his word concerning you shall come about. I'm going to say that again because some of you need to get that in your spirit. That which God has spoken over you by his word will come to fruition so we see these incredible prophetic words over 600 prophetic words spoken of Jesus 30, 350 directly toward him and then other words about where he would be and how where he'd be raised and even even his escape to Egypt isn't that amazing but the second thing that we see is Jesus prophesies his own death. Now, this is unusual. Jesus knew he had to die. He was very aware of the price that he had to pay. Now, what's unique about this time is that Jesus was familiar with crucifixion. It wasn't that this was he was the first one to ever be crucified. Jesus would be walking down the road and he would see people on the side of the road because that's where it would all happen. It would happen in public places so that people would see the people that were crucified as a display and go, oh yeah, I'm not gonna do that. It was a warning. And Jesus would be walking by and I can't, I can't help but imagine, you know, 14-year-old Jesus, 16-year-old Jesus. I've got a 15-year-old, praise God. I can't imagine my 15-year-old daughter looking at something as they're walking down a road, looking at somebody being crucified and going, one day that's going to be me. One day I'm going to have to embrace that. Knowing, very aware of what he would have to go through and what he'd have to do. And yet, he didn't resist it. He embraced the call. You know, I, I don't like pain. Anybody here... See, that's why I probably like to eat is because I don't like pain. <laughs> so I don't really even like working out. I like to eat because it's enjoyable. I don't like self-inflicted pain, yeah. right? So I've, I've figured out a trick. The way you get bigger biceps is you put more on your fork and you lift like that, right? That's how you just one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. But <laughs> no, hey, come on. No one enjoys self-inflicted pain. No one likes pain. I like comfort. I was built for comfort. Come on. Yeah. My, my wife says, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Too often, and, and maybe this is my own problem. Maybe I'm the only person here that suffers with this. But too often, I reject the pain because I'm more concerned about my comfort than the stuff that I'm going through. And I reject sometimes because you'll say, well, Pastor, God would never cause you pain. He'd never cause harm to you. But you see, there's moments where if I'm gonna have victory, I've gotta embrace the struggle. Yeah. Right? I gotta embrace the struggle. We want muscles, but we don't wanna embrace, <laughs> embrace the struggle. We wanna, we, we wanna be skinny, but we don't wanna die it. I, I did say it like that. I just, just die it. <clears throat> right? 
But, but because, and, and this is the problem, we see Jesus even in his life, he recognizes what he's going to have to do and what he's going to have to go through. And he sees and he says, I know what, what's coming my way, but I'm going to embrace this thing. And, and Jesus gives us a secret on how to get victory over the struggle. He gives us insight on how to get victory over the struggles in our life and those things that even stand in opposition from the destiny and the call that God's gives. Watch what Jesus does. This is profound. And I don't, I don't know if you guys have the, the ability to put this up, but I, I want us to look at some really interesting parallels. We see a parallel in the New Testament where you have in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus says the exact same thing three different times, but it's, it's interpreted in all three gospels. Matthew made it a point to say, hey, look, this is what Jesus said. Mark made it a point and Luke made it a point to make sure that it was in their gospel that Jesus was saying that. And he says it three on three different occasions. He tells his disciple this. Listen to this. Listen to Luke chapter nine, verse 21. And he strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes. Now listen to this. And be killed and be raised the third day. What? That's crazy. Did you see that? In Luke chapter 9. Now listen to this. Let's go to, let's go to Matthew 17, 22. Matthew 17, 22. And now we see it. He says the same thing in Mark 9. He says the same thing in Luke 9. But in Matthew 17, 22. Now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, Son of man, the Son of man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. And they will kill him. And the third day he will be raised up. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. Let me give you one more. Listen to this last one. Matthew 20, 17. <clears throat> now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the 12 disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. And the third day... He will rise again. Now, this is what we see. Now, there were numerous times where Jesus began to speak of his death and his resurrection. There's even that one moment where Peter had the gall to rebuke Jesus. Jesus, you're not going to die. Not if I have anything to do with it. Jesus, you're not going to die. And this is what's so crazy. In that moment, Jesus turns to Peter and says, get thee behind me, Satan. Because he understood the ploy of the devil was to try and derail Jesus from his destiny and his call. Can I tell you, the ploy of the devil will always be to derail your destiny and your call. But what we have to persist in, what we have to continue to push in and press in is we've got to prophesy over our destiny and our purpose. Now, you see this in a negative sense that Jesus was saying, look, I'm going to have to die, but I'm going to be raised. You have to understand that there are moments in life where even when you're going Going through opposition, you've got to say, the word of the Lord says, this is what God says over me. This is what the Bible says over me. This is the word that I receive, and I'm going to stand on that word, and I'm going to prophesy it. I mean, think about the turmoil. Think about the turmoil and the anguish that Jesus was in. There's this moment, Jesus is about to die. He takes his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he tells them to pray. 
Jesus goes deeper in the garden. Many of you know the story. Jesus goes deeper in the garden. And he actually tells Peter, James, and John, he says, listen, I need you guys to pray because my soul is overwhelmed even to the point of death. That's what he says. This is how heavy this thing is. My soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. And then he goes before the Father and he begins to pray. And he prays. Lord, if it be your will, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. He says, Father, I, I, I know what I'm about to do. I know what I'm about to go through. It ain't pretty. If there's any other way, like I'm down. Like, like seriously, like, can we have a strategy meeting? And then he stops, he says, but Lord, not my will. Father, not my will, but your will be done. See, it's very hard to embrace moments in our, moments in our life where we know there's going to be the struggle, the potential pain, but there's also going to be victory. And in the moments of tension, in the moments of turmoil, one of the ways that Jesus was able to get victory over those moments is he prophesied and he declared the word and he aligned his life to the will and the purposes of God. Friends, that's the secret sauce. In every situation we go through, in every problem, every, every moment of turmoil and pain, we've got it just like Jesus. Look, we're going to get victory. Over. I prophesy life. I prophesy strength. I prophesy breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Friends, this is what's so unique. Jesus wasn't doing it just for the disciples. I truly believe, and we know that. We know that Jesus wasn't doing it simply for the disciples because the way Jesus responded to Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan. He wasn't just prophesying to let everybody know, hey, by the way, uh, I'm going to die on a cross. You're all going to scatter, you bunch of pansies, <laughs> right? <laughs> You're all going to scatter, but I'm telling you, I'm going to be raised. Because, guys, they didn't even get it. Even when he was raised from the dead, they didn't even believe it. I believe that Jesus also did it for himself to remind him of his destiny and his purpose and it's called, friends, we got to be people that create a discipline in our life to continue to remind ourselves. Even when you mess up, friends, we're going to mess up. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Even you, pastor, join the club. <laughs> but I don't like a church, but they're all a bunch of hypocrites. Come and join us. <laughs> You'll fit right in. Look, guys. We're all a bunch of sinners. We're all imperfect people trying to serve a perfect God. That's the reason why we need the word of God because it changes us. It transforms us. We got to constantly put ourselves in the word. We got to constantly sharpen one another. This, is, this, isn't, this isn't a place that, that says we're perfect and that you have to come here and you first you have to take five showers and you got to do 100,000 Hail Marys in order to walk into the church. All is sin and falling short of the glory of God. But what's so wonderful is that Jesus gives us life and he actually ushers us into his presence. He says, look, I'll change you. I'll, I'll wash you. I'll cleanse you. I'll, I'll make you who you are. I know you're far away right now. Some of you feel so far. Anybody with me, you feel far away from what you know God's destined you for, called you for. But can I tell you something? If, if, we, could, if we continue in him, don't quit. I know it's going to get hard. And sometimes you're like, pastor, I'm going to have to go through what? Don't quit. 
Just keep on, and you're going to get breakthrough. You're going to get victory. I promise you. But you got to learn how to declare the word of the Lord over your situation and your circumstance. So we see the prophetic utterance that came forth from the Old Testament to the New Testament. But we also understand Jesus was a fulfillment of those words. But Jesus also understood that in the process of fulfillment, he had to prophesy over his own life. He had to prophesy over his own destiny. He had to declare the word of the Lord. And he had to embrace the pain. Oh, come on, somebody. But what's difficult is we see in Isaiah 53 something that's so profound. And if I can be honest with you, sometimes it's you look at this and go, God, I don't understand. I don't understand why the cross, God. Why would you allow your son to go through this? The reason Jesus died is because God loves us. And we see a prophetic word concerning the cross. Prophetic words concerning the cross. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 22. If someone... Listen to this prophetic word concerning the cross. It's Deuteronomy 21, 22. If someone guilty of a capital offense is put to death and their body is exposed. Everybody say exposed. Their body is exposed on a pole. You must not leave the body hanging on the pole overnight. Be sure to bury it that same day because anyone who is hung on a pole is under God's curse. You must not desecrate the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. Now, this is what's crazy. It wasn't necessarily about the crime they committed that deserved the punishment of being hung on a pole. It was the reason they'd be hung on a pole. It was because of their guiltiness and their shame and a curse would be hurled upon them. You see, it was actually meant that people would walk by and see the person on the pole and spit on them. Get a big old loogie. I curse you. They'd spit on them. They'd hurl curses upon them. That's what it was actually meant for, is they would put that person on the pole intentionally so people would hurl curses on them. And it would also be a sign of their guilt. This person is guilty. And then it would produce shame because of the curses and the guilt. And they'd have to die hearing all the curses put on them. This is what it was. This is what in Deuteronomy we see someone being hung on a pole. It was to bring shame and guilt and to hurl curses upon them. And this is what's so profound is that we see the parallel of Deuteronomy 21 where here's Jesus put and hung upon the cross and he put our guilt and our shame upon him and he became a curse for us so that we could be healed. So that our shame could be put away. Our guilt could be put away. That's amazing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Listen to this parallel. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took our place. He took our shame and our guilt and the curse that was hurled upon us 
he put upon himself. In Numbers chapter 21, wow, this is amazing. This is probably my favorite parallel here. In Numbers 21, verse 6, then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people. Many Israelites died. This is a moment, let me just kind of preface what's, what's happening here. It's a moment where the children of Israel were complaining and murmuring and doing horrible, horrific things. And God released venomous snakes upon amongst the children of Israel. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Listen to this. John 3, 14. This is powerful. This is what Jesus says of himself. Many of you know John 3.16, but listen to John. These are, these are the verses that come before John 3.16. Here we go, John 3.14 and 15. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and whomsoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Friends, can I tell you, there's a poison called sin. There's a poison that produces death, that the wages of sin is death. But friends, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And there are those who have been bitten And I don't know in what area of your life the turmoil that you're facing. But the solution, friends, is not condemnation. The solution is Christ. That those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The solution is not religion. The solution isn't even the law because the law can't do it. The law can't produce salvation is only through Christ and believing in him. And what's amazing is that here in the book of Numbers, the solution was, look, if you get bit by this snake, you need to look at the pole. Look at the pole. If they would just look at the pole, they'd be saved. And you know what's crazy? Is there people that got bit multiple times? Anybody in here ever get bit multiple times? Just raising my hand, just making sure. Like right when I look at the pole, boom, there's another snake there to bite me again. I go, hold on, double tight. Look at the pole again. Walk two miles, pull, pull. Do you know, you know, this this is the way, I'm weird like this. I'm weird, and I already know that. But this is the way that I work. I'm thinking, wow, can you imagine if all of a sudden there is a, a young boy and he went to go fetch some water because he's thirsty and he goes to fetch some water and as he's fetching water, boom, all of a sudden, sorry, some of you guys freaked out, boom, all, <laughs> I woke up a couple people. I was like, what, what, I'm here, what? <laughs> all of a sudden a snake jumps out and bites this kid. No hope because he's far away 
from the pole. He can't get there. He can't get there. He's, he's there at the, at, the, at the watering hole trying to get some water for his family. He gets bit by this snake, and he's about to die. This poison is just going through his body. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes by and sees this boy. He says, what happened, man? I got bit by a snake. I'm about to die. He says, not on my watch. And he picks him up. If it was me, it'd have to be Cornelius and a few other people. <laughs> picks, picks him up and puts him over his shoulder and begins to run with everything he can because he knows something. His solution is if he can just get him to gaze upon the pole with the snake on it, then he'll be healed. Friends cannot tell you, if the Bible says this, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. There are people in this world that have been bitten by a poisonous snake, and the Bible says that they're on their way to a godless hell, and all they need is someone to pick them up, put them on their shoulders, and if they can just see Jesus, if they can just get introduced to Jesus, it'll change their life just gaze upon the pole and you'll be healed and they put that boy down and the boy looks up and instantaneously healed those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved do you know how powerful that is to me because I realized that the solution to my wretchedness and my pain and my hurt and my suffering, Jesus did by putting that curse upon him, by taking my place. And now, as I look to Christ, I get freedom, I get healing, and I get forgiveness. And it's available. Are you ready for this? It's available to all who look to Jesus. It's available to all who look to Jesus. And it's available to us right now. We see the profound prophetic words spoken. Over 600 prophetic words spoken over the life of Christ. That he fulfilled every single one. The prophetic words in which Jesus spoke even over himself. I, you know, I gotta, one thing I gotta learn how to do is I gotta speak over my life. You shall live and not die. You shall live and not die. But what's so amazing is we see the prophetic symbolism of the cross and what Christ did on that cross. He became our savior. He became our healer. And as we look to him, friends, it doesn't matter what you've done doesn't matter who you are. doesn't even matter what you're going through. Now, Pastor, I'm riddled with poison. Look to the cross. Pastor, you don't understand my past. Just look to the cross. Friends, he doesn't demand perfection. He gives it. He gives it. And it's available to every single one of us. Right now, we can receive the healing and the freedom and the forgiveness which Christ provides for us. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and share with your friends. 
And for more great content, go to kcoahu.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.